So with that, uh, we are continuing the exposition of the book of Romans. This morning we come to Romans 8, verses 26 and 27. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Romans 8, beginning in verse 26. The infallible, authoritative word of God reads as follows. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit may teach us this morning to depend in the Spirit when we are weak, which is on a daily basis. That we may depend on the Spirit in our prayer life, which again is on a daily basis, and in the intercessory work of the Spirit, which is on a daily basis. Lord, may you comfort us this morning in reminding us of these truths and in the hope that we have in Christ it is in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. I've titled today's sermon, God the Holy Spirit, Helper in Our Weakness, Prayer, and Intercession. So what is intercession? What is intercession? In order to get a grasp of what intercession is, let us relate that to some modern-day example of what, of what it means in this example to be granted parole in the current legal system. What, it, what is it to be granted parole? Parole is the release of a prisoner, either temporarily or permanently, before the completion or before the beginning of an accused person that has been convicted before their sentence or during the sentence. And they're released on the condition of good behavior. Okay, somebody going on parole. Now, what can be something that assures uh, someone that's being charged or has a sentence before them? What is something that could ease or make way for them to have parole? Answer is to have a good lawyer. Someone who's going to be advocating for you. The lawyer who can hold his own, who's a good lawyer, he will advocate for the client making a case before the judge, during a trial, during a hearing, so that his client could be granted the freedom that is being sought after, right? Before the judge, your advocate, your lawyer makes a plea, makes a case of why it is that it's a good idea for you to go free. And in such way, you obtain parole. Now, given the, the history of those that go to ask for parole, it is very unlikely that the convicted person himself is granted parole if he doesn't have strong representation. Okay? Therefore, there is a need for a mediator, an advocate. In this case, the lawyer plays that role. So the parties involved is the person being convicted, the lawyer 
and then the judge representing the legal system. A key role there is played by the lawyer, the advocate, to make the case that his client should be granted parole. That is a overall picture of someone who is interceding, namely the, the lawyer. There's a biblical concept of intercession. One of the definitions in a Bible dictionary that I often go to says that intercession is to petition, petition someone in authority on behalf of someone else. So when we're talking about somebody making intercession before God, they are pleading, they are making a case for someone else. We have some examples of biblical intercession in scripture. I will allude only to a couple of these. First, we see the example of Abraham in Genesis 18, who pleaded with God, making intercession that God would not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there are only a, a few righteous people left. Right? He started with a larger number. He went to a very small number, showing how God engages with and responds to the plea of his people. Then we see Moses in Exodus 32 interceded for Israel so that God would not destroy them in judgment after they worshipped the golden calf. God heard the words of Moses as Moses interceded. Then we have one more, Elijah in 1 Kings 18. He cried out in Mount Carmel in order that God would reveal his power so that the people would know that there is only one true and living God. There again, God heard Elijah's prayer and brought down fire that consumed the sacrifice. The response of the people, they declared, the Lord, he is God. These are but a few examples that point us to something much greater. The need for intercessor is made clear. But this is all looking to a greater intercessor. That is, God himself intercedes for his people. God himself. God is our intercessor. First, we see that intercession in God the Son, Jesus. Romans 8.34, which we're going to get there shortly. Romans 8.34 reads as follows. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. And then another place in Hebrews 7.25, the context there is talking about the priest, the everlasting priest that we have before God the Father. That there's no more need to have a human priest that intercedes over and over and over, but now it's been done once and for all. It says this, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So we see how the Son intercedes for his people. Today, we see how the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, also intercedes for us. That is, for those who are Christians. We will explore this truth of how the Holy Spirit intercedes for us by knowing and extracting one key point from Paul's inspired text here. That is, what is the main point here? That God the Holy Spirit helps and strengthens those who are His. We're going to extract that as the main point in today's text. 
And we're going to see that in three main headers. First, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Secondly, we're going to see the Holy Spirit guides us in our prayers. And thirdly, we're going to see that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So let's get right to it. First, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The first portion of Romans 8, 26, the first portion of our text says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now let's pause there. The first word in our text this morning says, likewise. Why is that word there? Likewise, meaning that something came before, right? So let's take a quick look. Why does it say likewise? Well, that's because we see in verse 22, if we go back to verse 22, that creation, the physical creation of the Lord, groans. Romans 8, 22 says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth, until now meaning that is building up tensions pains conflicts what have you is building up so creation groans for something that is to come and then we see that the christian person also groans for what is to come we see that in verse 23 which says and not only creation but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Just a quick note on that. Those that are born again of the Spirit of God, we are adopted into God's family. But Paul there also points to something that has happened, but something that has not happened yet, which is the adoption as sons when the redemption of our physical bodies happens. In the resurrection so the creation groans and then we as Christians we also groan so now let's go back likewise in our text the Holy Spirit also groans let us recap then the work of the Holy Spirit as Paul has been teaching us in chapter 8 thus far it's a quick recap here we have seen that the Spirit sets us free in Christ from the law of sin. That is Romans 8, 2. We see then that the Holy Spirit sets our minds on the things of the Spirit, Romans 8, 5. We see that the Holy Spirit dwells inside believers, Romans 8, 9, and 11. We see that the Holy Spirit enables us to put to death the deeds of the flesh, Romans 8, 13. Then that the Holy Spirit leads us as sons of God, into righteousness, Romans 8.14. Then the, the Spirit aids us in the adoption we have as sons of God, Romans 8.15. And then the Holy Spirit bears witness of those who are true sons of God, Romans 8.16. And then we see today specifically that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How can this happen? How are we helped? How are we aided by the Holy Spirit in our weakness? Well, first, the scripture takes for granted that we are weak. Okay? So then we need to acknowledge that we are weak. One of the first songs that our daughter learned is a song that is uh, called Jesus Loves Me. 
says we are weak, but he is strong. So what does God say about the weak? Because scripture takes for granted, it, it assumes that we are weak. Okay. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And then we are reminded of who Jesus came for. Who did Jesus come for? Mark 2, 17, it says, And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So then acknowledging our weakness takes humility. It takes acknowledging that we don't have it all together, that without the help of the Holy Spirit, without our dependence on God, we are lost. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Psalm 25.9, He, meaning God, leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. So we see this theme throughout Scripture that God honors and uplifts those who acknowledge their weakness and who humble themselves before Him. My friends, a direct application of this is when we think that we can do anything without God, but specifically that we can gain a right standing with God with our own provision, with our own resources, with our own spirituality. That is basically the error of all false religions. The belief that the human person can do something to gain God's favor. And in some instances, it looks as though some religious systems are really, really trying hard to please God by their own works. So at the root of that is pride, the pride of men, thinking that we have the ability to please God with our own human merit, pride. We ought to then embrace and acknowledge our weakness, not only spiritually, but also physically, because our body can fail us very quickly. In embracing human weakness, we have an example by the very Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10. The context there is when Paul has a physical impediment, a physical infirmity. We don't know exactly what that is. And he asked the Lord to heal him, specifically and personally. And then Paul says, after that, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, my brothers and sisters, is it not true that in trials and tribulations and hardships, when we see the weakness of ourselves before a situation. Isn't it true that 
the place to go is to find refuge in the Lord. If we really trust in Him. Where else can we go? Where else can we go? And as we draw close to the Lord in our trials, it strengthens our faith. It gives us joy. That's another theme throughout Scripture, right? In our trials and tribulations that we should what? Rejoice. That's hard to do. It's actually impossible to do unless the Spirit of God is working within us. And it is practically impossible that such strength would be shown and that some such perseverance will be seen in our lives during times of blessing. If everything is relatively okay, there's going to be little growth. If we're just floating by, getting around, getting by day by day, it's going to be very difficult for our faith to grow. And to be honest, many of us have taken that for granted or are taking that for granted right now. It is in our weaknesses that we seem to draw close to God. But we cannot do that unless we acknowledge our weakness and our dependence upon God. We are weak spiritually and physically. It does not take much for us to realize that. We are weak. Secondly, the Holy Spirit guides us in our prayers. Romans 8.26, the second portion that says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We know what to pray for as we ought. Right? Maybe in, in our, perhaps in our ignorance, in our foolishness, in our selfishness, in our distress, in our anxiety, in our, in our longing for things to be better in our current situation. Is it not true that we perhaps don't know what to pray? How should we pray? Because we should pray. How should we pray? Let me show a couple of examples here. First, our Lord Jesus, he showed his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6. Often referred to as the Lord's Prayer. He started off by acknowledging God and acknowledging God's holiness. Our Father, right, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Acknowledging God and His holiness. Then acknowledging God's rule and sovereignty. That kingdom come, that will be done. God is ruling. God is sovereign. There is nothing that happens without God being in control. In many of those instances, especially if we are the ones being struck with a trial, we will not understand why many, many times. But yet... God is sovereign. He is ruling. And then acknowledging and asking for God's provision. Our daily bread. Right? Our provision from, from the Lord. And this is both physically and spiritually. Right? Our daily bread. For our Lord Jesus also said, Men should not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the, from the mouth of God. Acknowledging that we need His provision. Then acknowledging that we need and that we must ask for forgiveness of our sins. Forgive us our sins. 
Forgive us our sins, our debts. And then if we are forgiven by him, a sign of a true believer is that we acknowledge our need to forgive others. We forgive. And there's passages in scripture that are very direct. That if we cannot forgive those who have sinned against us, it very likely means if we cannot forgive in the long run and time goes by and we're still stubborn and we're still proud and we're still bitter. My friends, it's a red flag that perhaps we have not been forgiven by the Lord. Him who loves much has been forgiven much. And then, in the Lord's Prayer, there is our acknowledgement that we need to be delivered from temptation and evil. Without God's help, without the strength provided by the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to overcome temptation and evil. Example number two would be prayer for physical healing. And brothers, we're not against prayer for physical healing. You better believe it. We prayed for healing for our brother Eric. You better believe it. It is not wrong to do so. Some examples. The centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant. It's in Luke chapter 7. The centurion asked boldly to our Lord to please come and heal his servant. The Lord was gracious. The Lord was gracious. And the centurion not only asked boldly, he asked in faith. And then the passage that we saw a little bit ago with Paul asking for healing for himself in 2 Corinthians 12. In that instance, the Lord said, no, no. Another example, James 5, verse 14. It says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. It is biblical to do this. My brother James and I did this this past week for brother Eric. Scripture tells us we should do this. Then lastly, example number three, prayers of the New Testament. If we were to recap the prayers of the Apostle Paul, what are the top five characteristics of the prayers of Paul? I've listed them here. First, the prayers of the Apostle Paul are selfless. Primarily, by and large, they're not for him. They're for others. And then it involves a lot of thanksgiving. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Most of the circumstances were trials. They were not good. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul often asks and pleads for the spiritual well-being of others. That is, for the spirit of the gospel. For salvation to come to those that don't know Christ. And for perseverance of those who do know Christ to grow, to keep expanding the kingdom. The growing of believers in the knowledge of Christ and to be conformed to his image. Fourth, which is kind of related to that, Paul asks specifically for the perseverance of believers, specifically in trials and tribulations. 
And then lastly, in all things, in all circumstances, the prayer is for God to be glorified through Christ. If we're to survey our own prayer life, perhaps what would be some of the top hitters, top characteristics of our prayer life? If we're honest, a lot of the times our prayers would focus around physical healing, which is not wrong. We just went through that. But that's not one of the top characteristics of the prayers of the Bible. And also for safety. Right? Like, Lord, please keep us safe. Is it wrong to pray for No, it's not. But my brothers and sisters, is that the primary way in which the prayers of the Bible are shown to us? How is your prayer life? How is my prayer life if we're to take inventory of what we pray for? Because the scripture tells us here that many times, and not most of the time, we don't know what we ought to pray for. God is so gracious that as we don't know how or in our ignorance, we pray for things we are not, we are not to pray. The Spirit shows us. The Spirit intercedes for us. The Spirit prays for us. That's how gracious God is, which leads us to the third point. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our inability to get it right. Romans 8, 26, the third portion of that verse, and then verse 27, it says, But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. What are some ways in which the Spirit intercedes for us? Let us look at a short recap list of that is by no means exhaustive, but I think it covers some of the major points. The Holy Spirit teaches and reminds us of spiritual truths, John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit convicts us, convicts the world of sin. John 16, 8. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of those who are true believers. The Holy Spirit reveals spiritual truth to us, 1 Corinthians 2.10. The Holy Spirit seals the believer as possessions of God, Ephesians 1.13. The Holy Spirit sanctifies and enables good fruit in our character, in our daily lives. Galatians 5. And the Holy Spirit helps us as believers, as we're seeing today, in our weakness and makes intercession for us. So the Spirit Himself, when it says, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What does that mean? Well, first, it means that the Spirit Himself, the Spirit is not an it. The, the Spirit is not a thing. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. What we refer to as a third person of the Trinity, of our triune God. And he intercedes, he petitions, he advocates to God, the Father, on our behalf. That's the work of the Holy Spirit that is being described here. And it says that it does this with groanings too deep for words. So some theologians have asked, what does this mean? Does it mean that the Holy Spirit himself groans and prays for us personally in intercession? 
Or does this mean that the Holy Spirit communicates with our human spirit to rightfully inspire us to be able to pray accurately according to God's will? What is it? Holy Spirit does it himself? Or the Holy Spirit communicates with our spirit because we are spiritually alive and enables us to pray according to God's will? I would say from the conviction I have from Scripture that it's actually both. It's not one or the other. Does the Holy Spirit intercede for us? Absolutely. Does the Holy Spirit enable us to pray according to God's will? Absolutely. Because when we pray earnestly and righteously before God, how was it possible that we were able to pray rightly according to God's will? Is that something that we came up with ourselves? There's no way. There's no way. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to give us the right words, the right attitude, the right character, the right motives to pray. It is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit in us that such prayers are made. It is not mere human composition. And the Holy Spirit also groans and intercedes for us. Is this mysterious inter-Trinitarian communication between the three persons of our triune God. Then it says that this happens, this prayer, according to the will of God. Can God the Holy Spirit ever ask anything against God's will? No. So how much comfort should we take that not only do we have the perfect intercession of our Lord Jesus Christ, but then we also have the perfect intercession of God the Holy Spirit on our behalf. That is something that we can rest upon, that we can thank God for. So then the question comes up, who can intercede for us? Who can intercede for you, for me? If we follow the pattern of scripture, saints, other Christians can intercede for you. Absolutely, that is biblical. We do that in, in prayer, intercessory prayer. We pray for our brothers and sisters. And we pray even for those that are not Christian. That God would be gracious to them and grant them repentance. Grant them an understanding of the gospel so that they may come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, Jesus Christ. That is one way of interceding. So who is interceding for us? We are. Each other. Okay? With that said, let us be reminded that the ultimate intercession we need is intercession for our salvation, which is a done deal if you are a born-again Christian. But it's also something that continues. So for our salvation and then ongoing intercession once we are saved. Going back to the first example we gave about a person that is convicted, that has little or no chance of obtaining parole by going before the judge themselves and say, well, you know, judge, please just come on, just give me a break. Let me, let me go. No, right? It's very likely to happen. Just like that example, do we think that we 
if we go before Almighty God asking to catch a break, that we're going to be okay? My brothers and sisters, no. We will be crushed in judgment. Zero chance of being forgiven by God if we don't have an intercessor for our salvation. Not only that, but we must have, we must have the right intercessor before God Almighty, which is God himself, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the right intercession. How do we know that? We know that from the Bible. For salvation, we see John 14, 6. Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's not many paths to salvation. There's not many ways to go and meet God in good standing. It's only one. Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else. No one else. Not a saint, not Mary, not another prophet, not another Messiah. No, no one else. For there is no one, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. For salvation, there's one intercessor. And then for sanctification, right? The Lord gives us a helper so that we can persevere in our daily life as Christians. First John 2, 1, it says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We need intercession for salvation and for our sanctification once we are saved. Which brings us to the text of today again. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches... He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We need an intercessor for our salvation and for our sanctification. Now, the last thing I'll note about this text, which is very important. The Holy Spirit intercedes for certain people only. What does our text say? That the Holy Spirit intercedes for the saints. The saints. That is, for Christians. Saint. A term the Bible uses to refer to Christians as those who are set apart. Set apart from the world. Set apart for a holy calling. Set apart to worship and obey and abide in Christ. Those that are set apart. Those are the ones that the Holy Spirit intercedes for. So what are then some final thoughts and reflections from today's passage? What have we learned? Number one, my brothers and sisters, you are weak. I am weak. Apart from God, we can do nothing. Apart from God, we are spiritually not only weak, but dead in trespasses and sins. And even if the day 
But today we look at ourselves and we think that we are physically okay and strong and in good shape. Our bodies are decaying day by day. The outer man is fading away, right? As Paul says. But the inner man is becoming renewed every day. We are weak. You are weak. We have to acknowledge that, embrace it, humble ourselves before God in our acknowledgement that we are weak, that we don't have it all together. Number two, how is your prayer life? How is my prayer life? Do we pray as we ought to pray? That's to consider the frequency of our prayer. Do we pray for others more than we pray for ourselves? Following the, the quick template that we saw. And then what should we pray for? Know that we are to be guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide us in what to pray. And if we think that we have it all together, like I don't need any help, I got this, then we're not acknowledging our weakness, our dependence upon God. And then lastly, third reflection here, do you have an intercessor? And after I thought about that is maybe a more proper question. Who is your intercessor? Because if faced with the reality that we're going to go before our creator and give an account. Many may think, well, I mean, I've done pretty well. I've done better than my neighbor. Try to pretend that that could be your interceding work. Or perhaps, you know, I, I came to church, so maybe I'm, I'll be marked safe. Nope. That cannot be your intercession. Or maybe I was born in a Christian home. For all you children here, right? Not just because you're here at church means that you are a Christian. You must know that the Lord Jesus requires you to obey him. That will not count as your intercession just because your parents came to church. Jesus is our intercessor for our salvation. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us to convict us of sin and to maintain us in the strength that we need in our weakness once we are Christians. So then somebody may ask, well, how, how can I have Jesus as my intercessor then for salvation? How can I have the Holy Spirit as my intercessor then to persevere myself in salvation? My brothers and sisters, my friends, that's the gospel. That there is a God who is holy. You are not it. In contrast, that you are a sinner in need, in desperate need of forgiveness to repent and to trust in the perfect life work of Christ upon his death on the cross in his burial and his resurrection so that when we trust in the perfect work of Christ in his death and resurrection that his righteousness can be put into our account so that when we come before almighty God as almighty ultimate judge our intercessor is Christ with his righteousness and our intercessor in our salvation, in our walking day by day, is the Holy Spirit who enables us 
to have perseverance of our faith. Believe the gospel. Acknowledge your weakness. Ask for forgiveness of your sins and repent. And for those of us that do know the Lord, that are born again, let us acknowledge our weakness. Let us draw close to God in humility for what He has done for us and for how He is keeping us in His grace. Let us not be like the passage of Scripture of the self-righteous person, Pharisee, that said, Thank you, Lord, that I am not like that other person. No, oh, my brothers and sisters, let us draw close to God in humility, acknowledging our weakness and our dependence on Him daily. For we too need to be reminded of the gospel and of daily repentance. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. We ask you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you help us to acknowledge, you convict us to know that we are weak as mere human beings. Oh, Holy Spirit, how we need your daily intercession. Lord Jesus, we depend on you being our advocate with the Father on a daily basis for we sin. We pray that you may grant us repentance today, either for repentance of forgiveness of sins, for salvation for the first time, or repentance to align our ways with your ways, our priorities with your priorities, and to repent from the disobedience that we act upon. Lord, we draw to you because of the work that our Lord Jesus Christ has done on our behalf with the confidence that we have an intercessor in Christ and in the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.